You're listening to MLB.com Extras, brought to you by MLB.tv. It's baseball everywhere. This is MLB.com Extras, Chicago White Sox edition. I'm Andrew Kasterman. Thank you for tuning in. Scott Merkin joins me. And Merck, uh, Jeff Samarja, I feel like every other podcast we talk about Jeff Samarja, he's had that interesting a season. He's had some very good stretches, some very bad stretches. August was very rough for him. Uh, an ERA just south of nine, an zero and six record in the month of August. Uh, really inconsistent all year, but that was a particularly rough month for him. Uh, and then, really, the, the story of his season might be the first inning: a major league high twenty-five runs and forty hits allowed in the first inning. Uh, I think I've asked you this before. I'm going to ask you it again. What is up with the shark? Well, you know, it's interesting. People have surmised, if I could use that word that after July where he had a 2.27 ERA and he wasn't traded because let's face it, you know, the Sox have been kind of on the cusp of, on the cusp of, con- of contending, maybe on the outskirts of the cusp of contending. And there was some school of thought that maybe, you know, he wanted with free agency looming, wanted to be part of a team such as the Yankees or the Astros, who I know had interests that were more firmly entrenched in the contention in the playoff picture. But, you know, I, I've, I've known Samarja a little bit now from the year, and he's a pretty intense competitor. And I could see where maybe one start, you maybe lose your focus a little bit or just off a little bit because you, you weren't sure what was going to happen. But he's too good of a pitcher and too strong of a competitor to let it bother him the whole month. So that doesn't make a lot of sense. I think it's just been a bad month where we've talked about this before where it's, you know, location and kind of that one pitch, that big inning, you know, gets him where he gives up a, it's usually like a two or three run homer. And, it goes from there. You know, that happened against uh, Seattle. He had one quality start the entire month of the six starts, which is very unlike him. And that was against the Angels when he won one nothing, also on a home run. Or, I'm sorry, he lost one nothing on a home run, a solo home run. And talk more on that start. I think we talked about this last podcast that he had his splitter working there. Didn't really address his pitches specifically this last time against Seattle, but just a forgettable month of August. I mean, you know, I, I know people are saying – Angry Sox fans are kind of saying, well, he's cost himself money, he's cost himself this, but Justin Marge is going to be fine. You know, no one's going to be, Justin Marge has earned the free agency and he's going to get paid, and I don't, you know, think that's an issue. I just think he's upset, he's disappointed because he's not pitching well right now, and that's all it is. You know, I mean, these guys, sometimes people think it's lip service, but they really do kind of live in the moment. You know, they, they don't worry about October when they're pitching in August and September. So I think that's what's bothering him more than anything else right now. Yeah, I saw Robin Ventura had some remarks about I mean, it basically sounds like it comes down to his pitches digging when they should zag and zagging when they should dig. I mean, the the cutter sinking and the sinker cutting and that sort of thing, just not getting the right movement um, at the right time, basically. Um, yeah, you guys know, go through those stretches. Location, and, uh, yeah. you know, it's disappointing for the Sox because he was kind of picked up as, you know, acquired for four pretty decent prospects. One, Marcus Simeon. Well, three of the guys, Marcus Simeon, Josh Fegley, and... Chris Bassett all are making, you know, significant contributions to the A's and probably would have helped the White Sox this year as well. But, you know, he was going to be kind of that one-two counterpunch with Sale, and, you know, Sale's kind of held up his end of the bargain, and Samarja, you know, has... Samarja really is only bad month as August. He had some other months that weren't great, but, I mean, August was just really one to completely forget. Well, August is over, or yep. at least by the time people listen to this, it will be Merck. What's the plan for September call-ups? I know uh, Eric Johnson is probably going to get a start, correct? 
Yeah, I thought you were asking my plan. Right now, I'm waiting to see how much it costs to get my car fixed, but that's not a problem for anyone but me, really. Yeah, I think. Uh, and by the way, Mark, this would not be the first of these podcasts recorded from the mechanic. So I've done one as well. <laughs> already. No, I'm actually at home waiting to hear from the mechanic. Oh, so. okay. oh, you're, yeah, oh, that's a dreaded. It, it, it should right. be. A, I'll update on the next podcast how much it actually ran me to fix it. But anyways, <laughs> I digress. You know, I think the most interesting thing on the Sox call-ups is going to be who's not going to be included this year because of the fact that you know. You, you just don't need to push them this year, and that's Tim Anderson and Carson Fulmer, who, according to MLB.com, are the one and two prospects of the White Sox. And Anderson very well could be ready in 16, might even you know, force the issue at shortstop if they don't pick up Alexi's option out of spring training. If not, at some point in 16, I expect to see him. And Carson Fulmer could be part of that rotation, much like Rodon, at some point early on in 16. But you know, really, there's no reason to push either of them. The guys who I figure will be called up are going to be guys who have, you know, pretty much been seen already by the White Sox. You got Frankie Montes, you know, hard thrower, probably work out of the bullpen. Eric Johnson has had a great comeback here for Charlotte after a dismal 14 season. It doesn't look like he's going to get a start in Minnesota, maybe not even in Kansas City, but I would be, I wouldn't be surprised to see him start at home against Cleveland or Oakland in that next homestand. Minnesota's in that homestand also. Uh, you know, a catcher Rob Brantley or Kevin Smith. Kevin Smith is considered more you know, potential to be a catcher in the future. Rob Bradley's a good left-handed bat, and they already have two right-handed catchers, so I would see him in there. Leori Garcia, who's been here, utility guy, and then Micah Johnson. So that those are the guys I'd look for to, to come up with to help the White Sox with September. No Frankie Montas? Yeah, I said right. Frankie Montas, I, we, oh. he, he will be there, too. I don't know if I, if I didn't say him or not, but, yeah, I, I don't think Frankie Montas will work out of the rotation much. I think they're, you're going to see his uh, gotcha 100-mile fastball coming out of the bullpen. Maybe a spot start later in September when things are, you know, more official, whether they're completely out of it or, you know, still hang around the outskirts there. I think he'll get a start or two before the year's over, but I think Eric Johnson would be a guy who'd more consistently start for the White Sox right. in September. Yeah, Monta, we saw him in the Futures game hitting, uh, I think he hit 101 on the gun in a, in a relief outing. It's interesting to see him out of the bullpen at least. Yeah, built uh, like uh, the Bears. Uh, Bears are a little shorthanded. Built like a linebacker. They may they may make a move to add him on too once the baseball season. <laughs> they could probably use the help. Uh, they could. And, and Johnson Johnson seems like he's come away. He had some control issues last year, but um, at least on the surface, you look at the numbers uh, in AAA this year. It looks like he's come a long way. Yeah, you know, it's, I think it's more just uh, confidence and mechanics. You know, he was down velocity wise. It was pretty noticeable even in spring training last year after he had a great. September for the White Sox in 13, and it just it just was a bad season, and it wasn't just the big league level; it was equally as bad at Charlotte. And he's been, yeah. you know, a 180 degree change this year. Just great work for Charlotte, and has certainly earned this call up without a doubt. Uh, Tyler Flowers, I, I saw where he said he, he doesn't believe he's a 220 hitter. Obviously, that's exactly what he's been this season. But has he improved enough defensively to? offset the lack of offense? You know, it's interesting. When I did that story in Tyler, I went and looked at the catchers in the American League, and, you know, of guys who have 200 at-bats or more, I think the leading hitter is a, it was a 270 average. I believe it's uh, the catcher from uh, Boston, Swihart. Now, yeah. granted, you know, guys like Salvador Perez are invaluable in so many other ways, and he's hitting 15, 16 homers with 60 RBIs, and Brian McCann has 75 RBIs, even though I don't think he, you know, he doesn't play catcher full-time. But I would think, you know, if Tyler hit for a little more power, he'd be a pretty good starting catcher back there. I think you can get away with a guy hitting. Remember also, 
that Tyler has been hitting eighth or ninth pretty much exclusively all year, and your eighth or ninth hitter is not expected to carry your lineup. Now, you'd like to see your eighth or ninth hitter hit a little bit better, but Tyler is also a byproduct of how you know inconsistent that lineup's been this year. I think if you get him hitting 230, 15 to 20 home runs, 60, 70 RBIs, you got a pretty good guy back there. But you know, between Flowers and Soto, those numbers are probably pretty close to that this year. With that said, I don't expect the Sox to go in with the same two catchers next year. I think they'll go after some sort of catcher in the offseason. But I'm almost certain Tyler Flowers will be in that picture because they love how he handles them. I will say that you know, I don't think there's any sort of agreement between the two. But Chris Sale, you know, unsolicitedly, every start mentions how great it is to work with Tyler and how Tyler kind of guides him through these starts. Sale's a little like Burley, Mark Burley, only with really good stuff in that, you know, he doesn't shake the catcher off. He just trusts the catcher implicitly and just goes from there. So I think that's a pretty good statement when, you know, this, one of the prime Cy Young contenders is complimenting you on your daily work. Absolutely. All right. Well, I compliment you on your daily work, Merck, and I hope well, everything is all right. The mechanic. I hope you don't need a new Johnson rod. Those are expensive. I, well, I got a I got a back window they're working on, and then who knows the other thing. We'll 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 keep people on the edge of their seats for the next podcast to see what happens. <laughs> I can't wait, Merck. We'll talk to you next week. I want to thank Scott Merkin for joining us. Thank you all for tuning in. This has been MLB.com Extra Chicago White Sox Edition. MLB.tv Premium, the number one live streaming sports service, is celebrating 13 years. Watch every out-of-market regular season game live or on demand in true HD. Real-time highlights, live look-ins, pitch tracking widget, and more. MLB.tv Premium includes a free At-Bat 15 subscription. Watch live baseball on over 400 mobile and connected devices. Watch at home, in the office, or on the go. Every night, on every device. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Visit MLB.tv for details.